Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Warehouse Church. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Um, Had a really neat day yesterday. I had a friend of mine call me. I was a backup for uh, an event last night. A buddy of mine up in Kansas City had a a big men's event called Beast Feast. And uh, he said, my speaker couldn't make it. Can you come? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. I could be be second batter up. But we had a great, great night. Uh, Flew up there yesterday. Actually flew back from Kansas City this morning. So I'm kind of dragging my wagon a little bit, and I had one of those Starbucks triple shot deals. So I'm ready to go right now, okay? I'm super, super ready. Came home, stopped off at uh, the Spine uh, Whisperer, Dr. Hooten, and I told him I would call him that uh, this morning by one of the ladies that was in his office, but appreciate him uh, being able to take care of me today. Hey, I'm going to invite you to turn with me. If you have a Bible, bring your Bible to church here or on your phone. Uh, Judges chapter 14, Judges chapter 14, and what I want to talk to you about today, it, it kind of seems like I'm dissing on Samson a little bit, doesn't it? And, and it, it, the series is going to end real positive, you know the end of this, the, the story of Samson, it's a great uh, victory that he had in his life and also uh, for our, our Heavenly Father, but today we're going to talk about another kind of problem that Samson had, you know? And if you're wondering where I got this study from, I went through a book with a a, a men's group that I had, uh, a mentoring group a a little while back, and it's called the Samson Syndrome. And guys, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that book. Fantastic. Ladies, buy it for your guys. It is a primo book on things that guys go through, struggles we have and things like that. And I took some of that in another study that I was doing, and, and I put some of these messages together. They've really been an encouragement to me. And I hope they have uh, helped you out as well. Um, Today we're going to talk about how stronger people are not repeat offenders. How stronger people are not repeat offenders. Um, You know, Samson had a a, a fatal flaw. He was a repeat offender. And we're going to take two passages of scripture from Judges and talk about some of those struggles that that he had over and over and over and over again. In Judges chapter 14, it's the conclusion of the story of the girl that he was going to marry. Remember the girl he wanted to marry because she was good looking. He said to his mom and dad, I want you to get that woman in Timnah of the Philistines. I want you to get her. I want to marry her because I want to get with her. Basically is what he said, right? She was appealing to the eyes. And he said, she makes me feel good. We talked about, in this passage, we talked about lust. Uh, we talked about some other things. But this was the, really the foundation of the relationship that he had with this woman was really carnal and just, you know, physical desire towards this lady. He winded up marrying her, but because he had this, this kind of bet with her, I'll bet you that the guys can't figure out this riddle that I'm going to give them. You remember the riddle? Uh, you could take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take something out of a dead guy, and I'm going to eat it. Basically, he was talking about eating honey out of a dead lion that he killed, which consequently was also something he was not allowed to do as a Nazarite. Part of his Nazarite vow was he wasn't supposed to cut his hair, he, was supposed to, he wasn't supposed to ever be drunk, and he wasn't ever supposed to touch anything dead, human or animal, and he winded up breaking all three of his Nazarite vows before he suffered the terrible consequences that he suffered that we're going to really get into next week. 
But at the conclusion of the story, we read in Judges chapter 14, the second part of verse number 19, it says, Samson was burning with anger. And last week we talked about anger. Remember we talked about anger last week and how we have to be very careful with that. The Bible says be angry and sin not. We can be angry at things. We have to be careful to learn how to respond instead of react. And man, we just had some great conversations with our husbands and wives and lots of kissing and hugging after church and lots of I'm sorry's. And today we took communion, so it all worked out, right? So it says, in burning with anger, he returned to his father's house. Later on, uh, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a goat and went to visit his wife. Now, this is the lady that he married. Remember, with the 10 groomsmen that dissed him a little bit. He made that bet. They cheated. She told him the answer to this riddle. So he had to go out and buy all 10 of these guys silk clothes, okay? And we, we read that last week earlier in, in Judges chapter 14. So Samson took a goat. Now, this is a great, I, I love this part of the story. I think it's kind of funny. You know, it's a different time. It's the, 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 the culture and the society was more agricultural. You know, you were, you, you knew how much, people knew how much money you had by the, um, by the goats and the cows and the sheep and the bull and the oxen and all these different things and by the animals that you own. That was kind of your bank account. So Samson, and it seems kind of funny to me because there are gifts that guys, you should never buy your wife. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a bad idea. I, I think it's a bad idea to buy your wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. You know? I, I think you'd do it in December. And you know, my wife loves that kind. She does and she'll tell me, don't waste your money on getting something I don't need. Get me something I do need, you know? So I, I've done that before. I actually, on Mother's Day a couple years ago, our refrigerator broke down, and I went to the store, and I bought a refrigerator, and I, this was at a time I was much stronger uh, and younger. I carried a refrigerator on my back into the house and had it all set up by myself uh, by the time that she got home. And I was like, honey, happy Mother's Day. Now all of our food is going to be fresh. And she said, thanks. That's really thoughtful of you to buy something that we both need, right? So what does Samson buy his wife? He's, he, he gets mad. He kills all these dudes. He's killed a bunch of Philistines. He's angered again. And so he wants to make up with his, this woman that he supposedly just married. And he comes home with a goat, right? Now that's, that's true love right there. That's a guy that's trying to smooth his way into some happiness, right? So the Bible says that Samson bought it. I'm going to my wife's room. And when he, was, when he said he was going to his wife's room, he wasn't talking about a goat. He was talking about a brown chicken and a brown cow. Brown chicken, brown cow. You can ask me about that after church. But that's what that means in the scripture. It really does. It means that he went to be with his wife physically. And the, yeah, it's kind of funny. There's some things in the Bible that you read, you go, oh, no, that, that's not what that means. No, that's exactly what it means, okay? And if you'd like to talk to me about it this week over lunch, I'd be glad to go with you, okay? I'm going to go to my wife's room. I'm going to go be with my wife. But her father would not let him go uh, into his room. He says, I was so sure that you hated her that I gave her to your best man. But, 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 but isn't her younger sister more attractive? Now, there's a good dad, right? He said, I gave my daughter to, this, to the groomsmen. I know. I, I thought you were mad at her. But here, let's be honest about it. Just between you and me, bro, right? Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Like, what dad's going to say that about his own kids, right? So this guy's kind of a knucklehead, too. He said, isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to him, 
This time I have to get right. I have the right to get even with the Philistines. I'm really going to hurt them. Samson wanted to go back to his wife after this big fight. And he went to the Philistines. Even mad at his new bride, he wanted to be with her. His father said, you know, his father tried to resolve the conflict. But here's, here's where Samson, you find Samson kind of going through this thing over and over and over and over again through the story of the life of Samson in the book of Judges. Um, he trusted somebody he shouldn't have. Right, we're going to read another story that you're familiar with with Delilah as well. Uh, he let his lust drive his decision making. Right, and that was a problem that he suffered over and over again. And he got furious again when he was deceived. And, and then guess what happens? The end of Samson's life, you know the story, Judges chapter 16, verse 15. Delilah says to, to, to Samson, how do you get all your strength? Well, I get all my strength. I'll lose my strength if you tie these four corded ropes around me. Then I have no strength at all. So don't people come in and wrap him up with these ropes? He busts open the ropes, does some you know MMA ninja stuff and beats these guys down. And, and, and again, she asks him, if you look at the passage of scripture four different times, she says to Samson, you don't love me. You, you're lying to me. You won't tell me where the source of your strength was. And then what he did, she sent in and had happened exactly what was going to take place for him to lose his strength. So he couldn't trust her. Samson had something haywire in his mind where he let this woman influence him to just to do some dumb stuff. And I want to tell you something. Guys can act really stupid around women. Somebody say amen. Right? We kind of, you know, when, you, when you're falling into that courtship stuff or you're falling in love or whatever it is, sometimes your rationale isn't what it, isn't what it was before you met that person. And it's very easy. And we talked about lust, and I'm not going to go there today, but we justify and justify and justify and justify. And it's not just about lust. We justify things we do based on how we feel about stuff. Would you know how it made me feel? And I'm going to tell you something. If you base your life on how you feel, the Bible's very clear about this. Your feelings inside of you will betray you. The Bible teaches us that we have enemies in this world. And we know who our number one, right? Arch enemy is who? It's Satan. But we have another enemy. It's the world system. All the craziness that's happened in our world today. That, that's the, the opposite of values that God established in his word. And that's an enemy of ours. But do you know who else is probably just as much or even a more formidable enemy to you and I today? Ourselves. Because we're constantly in this conflict with ourselves. Should I do that? Will anybody find out about it? Is it that big of a deal? And man, are we good at justifying the things that we do wrong. The one of the biggest ways we justify the things that we do wrong is this. Nobody's going to find out about it. Like if I do this, I know I probably shouldn't do it, and I shouldn't look at this, or I shouldn't say this, or I shouldn't go to this place, or I shouldn't treat this person this way, but nobody's going to know about it, and this is what we say, right? What's the big deal? But God knows, doesn't he? And he doesn't want us doing things in our lives based on how we feel. You know, if we, if, if we did, like, there's just times in our lives my dad used to say this to me. He was funny. We, he owned a business, hoagie shop, cheesesteaks, the whole thing. You know, you know, you can see that. I grew up doing that. And my dad used to say this all the time. He says, you know, I was sick this morning, and I got up, and I made a phone call to the store. Nobody picked up to answer it, so I had to go in and work sick today. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? 
And the principle was, if he's not there, the store's not open. He says, so I'm going to go to the store. And he'd be up, and it's kind of funny. My dad would have been the worst storekeeper, store owner during COVID. He would have been awful. Like, there were times we had the flu. And my dad my dad be slicing lunch meat with his face, like, right in the slicer. And he'd be cutting lunch meat, and he'd say, why would I want to go home and be sick when I can be with you people all day? <coughs> would you like some salami on that sandwich? You know, and we're like, oh, there's just something so weird about that. But... Uh, he, he used to say that to me all the time because he wanted me to understand that, that you can't always base what you do on how you feel. Right? I don't, sometimes I'm tired. I don't feel like doing some things. Sometimes I don't want to be the husband that I'm supposed to be. Sometimes I don't want to take care of the response. Sometimes I don't want to take the trash out. Anybody with me on that? Sometimes I just don't want to do the stuff I'm supposed to do. But I don't do those things because of how I feel. I do things that I'm supposed to do because they're right in the eyes of God. So, so listen to what Delilah says to Samson on this last wave of deception towards him. She said to him, how can you say that? I, I, I kind of want to role play this a little bit, right? So, so Delilah says to Samson, you keep lying to me. How can you say that you love me? Right? She was either mad or super emotion. <laughs> How can you say that you love me? You keep lying to me, right? She has all this like feeling deception going on. You ever go into a situation with your family members where the feels were really, really like DEFCON 7? You know what I'm saying? Like the feels were like, oh my gosh, I, got, I need to go watch a football game or something, right? So this is what, and then she says this. How can you say that I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me. This is just incredible to me. Because this is the third time that she actually made a fool of him, right? He wasn't making a fool of her. She was making a fool of him because she kept doing what he said would happen if he were to lose his strength. If you do this, you lose your strength. He did it. He didn't lose his strength. He's like, ha, 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 ha. He she was making a fool of him because she was using her womanly ways to get him to do what she wanted him to do. And I love this part. It says, the third time you made a fool of me. And hadn't told me the secret of your strength again. Here's a great verse to underline in your Bible. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day. I probably shouldn't preach on that subject, right? <laughs> that wouldn't be good for any of us this morning. But she was just wearing him down. She was just wearing him down. And, and listen, it's, and I'm not, I'm not sexist. I'm not stupid. Women aren't the only ones in how to wear people down. Your kids are experts at it, aren't they? <laughs> Can't they just wear you down, you know? You say no, and they're like, yeah, but yeah. And sometimes you say yes to it just to get them to stop talking about it, right? You've been worn down before. You know what that means, right? So with such nagging, she, she prodded him day after day until he, he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. He said, all right, Chickaletta, here's the deal. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were to be shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent, right away, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands, with knives or scissors or something, and, and after putting him to sleep on her lap, many theologians believe that she got him drunk, and she, he just plopped there right on her lap. The Bible says... She called for someone to shave his head, the seven braids off of his hair, and, and so began to subdue him. And as the Bible says, 
his strength left him. And I, it says this in the King James Version, the Spirit of God left him. God's Spirit left him. And you read that story, and we, and we read about the over and over sins that Samson committed. It hit the repeat offender part of him. He was proud. He was arrogant. He was driven by lust and approval. He was tricked again, and he lost everything. You know what Samson was? He was a repeat offender. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. There are stories in the Bible, factual accounts of things that happened. This isn't a book of fables. This is the history of God's relationship with man starting all the way back at creation. These things really happen. And as incredible as they seem, this, this book is truth. And this is where we need to go for truth and how we can have a relationship with God. But he's got all these stories in there, uh, stories of morality, stories of stupidity. Like there's times that I read the Bible and I'm reading this about Samson. And this week I kind of have one of these moments. I'm like, dude, you couldn't see through this? Like after the second time, you didn't see she was going to do this to you. And I remember re reading about, about Judas Iscariot and, and, and Jesus. He was, Jesus performed, Jesus raised dead people from, made dead people alive again in front of Judas. And Judas still betrayed him. And you read that and you go, come on, dude, didn't you see that he was the son of God different than anybody else that ever walked the face of the earth? You read the stories in the Old Testament about the children of Israel Falling into the same sin over. I mean, these guys saw God open up the Red Sea and they walked on dry ground. And God said, don't worship any other gods. Don't marry people from other countries that worship false gods. Because in the day that you do it, I'm going to take my hand of blessing off of you. And then you read the book of Judges. And, and, and we're reading about Samson's life specifically. But if you read through the book of Judges, the children of Israel, God sends them a deliverer or a judge defeats the Philistines. He does that, right? And soon thereafter, the children of Israel start worshiping false gods. They start, you know, what, you know what made God so angry about this? Part of their worship of false gods was they put their children to death as a sacrifice. They would throw their own babies in fire. And not only was it an atrocious, awful, awful murder that would take place, they were defying God. And then they would cry out, oh, it's getting too hard for us, Lord. These Philistines, these Midians, these this one, these, they're just too much for us. We need you to come back and deliver us. He sent Gideon, a guy that was too small, too short, but he delivered them. He sent Samson. He sent Deborah. He sent this one and this one and this one. And the cycle continues. And you go, why won't they learn? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like being frustrated at your kid doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you know what kind of hit me like a thunderbolt this week? It was almost like God said, you're kind of the same way. You're kind of the same way. Because it's really, isn't it really easy to look at what other people do wrong and say, you, if you guys only knew how bad Marianne was and not me. If you knew that, right, if you knew that. If you knew who the bigger cusser was between us two, right? No, I'm just kidding, right? But if you knew that, like I go, man, Marianne, right? Because it's really easy for me to get your attention on somebody else than it is to draw attention to myself in a truthful way and say, you know what? I have struggles too. We don't like talking about those things. Uh, I had something really neat happen uh, in, in my walk with the Lord. It was about 20 years ago. Um, some of you remember, I know Kevin will remember, the Christian rock band called Audio Adrenaline. Anybody ever hear of Audio Adrenaline before? Old school. This is before, like, all the worship stuff came out that's out today. 
But they did this song, and it was called Sometimes I'm a Man of God. I'm going to read some of the lyrics to you. It's really powerful. It says, sometimes I don't feel good. It's hard to start the day. It's hard to climb the obstacles that sometimes come my way. If I make it, I'm a good man, but am I a bad man if I fail? I know I'm never good enough, so I let grace prevail. I've never been left alone in any problem that I've known. Even though I'm to blame, there were times when things were dark, I've been known to miss the mark. That's what the word sin actually means, missing the mark. Uh, but, some t- but someone fixed my aim because sometimes I'm a man of God. And I remember listening to that song and saying, that sounds like a cop-out on your personal relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I'm going to serve God. But here's the truth. We're not always super-duper fired up, juiced up, ready to charge hell with a water pistol, gladiator Christians for Jesus. Sometimes we kind of get in that mode where we're just in survival, right? I'm going to tell you, I'm in survival mode this morning after waking up at 2.30 this morning to catch a flight. Don't feel sorry for me. It's self-inflicted. But this brother's going to be sleeping today. My phone's going to be off. So if you need somebody, call Marianne, okay? But we do. We, don't we kind of make excuses for our bad behavior sometimes? Well, if I wasn't so tired. Well, if I wasn't so broke. Well, if, you know, my husband wasn't this. Well, if my wife was a little bit more that. Well, if my kids would listen to me better. Well, if my boss would respect me more. And we make these excuses, and we let those things drive us to be the person that we're supposed to be for God, or maybe lacking thereof. So here's some things I want you to consider as we talk about this understanding of being a repeat offender. Here's the first thing. The reason, there's a reason that we are repeat offenders. There's a reason. Uh, frankly, the first thing is this. The strongest of believers are still human. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're still human. You're still human. My kids think my wife is superhuman. She's kiki, but she's kind of super kiki. Like, we moved this week, our whole house, into a two-bedroom apartment, and she watched the kids this week, and she kind of had walking pneumonia, and she did this. We're all like, well, we're not surprised because she's like superwoman, right? And she's, she, we have her like up on this high, high pedestal, and, and I'm told rightly so. so. Uh, but the, fr- the fact of the matter, my wife's very human. You're very human. I'm very human. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse 16, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law or God's standard is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. And, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Here's the thing. There's just some things that are really, really hard for us to do right. It is. Um, It's interesting. I I, I met with my friend Dakota. I talked about Dakota before in church. Your mom told me to say some stuff, Dakota, so I'm going to talk about it this morning, okay? But it's interesting. I'm talking to Dakota, who's about 28, 27. How old are you, bud? He's less than half of my age. Thank you for reminding me of that. It makes me feel really good about myself. So we're talking, and we're, we're talking about guy stuff, and we're encouraging one another, and he's telling me some neat things in his life. And, and, you know, and one of the things I said to him was, I said, I know you're more than less than half of my age, right? But the struggles don't stop, you know? But the struggles for me as a 55-year-old guy are probably a little different than it is for him as a 26-year-old guy. And the struggle for the lady sitting next to you is probably different than the struggle for you or for the man sitting next to you is probably different than it is for you. Because here's the thing about Satan. You know, God knows us. He knows how many hair or is or isn't on our head. God knows everything about us we could possibly understand. But you know who knows you 
second as much Satan does. Because here's what Satan does. He sees where Dave is weak. He sees where Sergio is weak. He sees where I'm weak, and he hits me. He's not going to hit me with stuff that bothers you. Like, there's just some temptations that would come my way, and I'd be like, you got the wrong dude for that one, brother. Right? It just Because it just doesn't, those aren't just things I'm going to struggle with. But there are things that I do struggle with, and I'm going to tell you something. Satan, like everything he has, he throws that stuff at me, and he knows when to do it. When I'm tired, do you ever notice when you're physically tired? There's something spiritual about the Sabbath. There's something very spiritual about rest, not just because of the physical part of it. You need to rest your mind and rest your body because when you're weak, that's when he's coming after you. We need sleep, you know. Uh, my wife likes to sleep. She does. She loves me. She loves Jesus first. She loves sleep second, and I'm a distant but solid third, and there ain't no doubt about it. But I'm going to tell you something. And, and she, I don't think she would mind me saying this to you. Well, she'll tell me afterward if she did or not. <laughs> if she sleeps less than eight hours, it's a very good day for me to be at work all day. Isn't that the truth, honey? Like, if she doesn't get a good night's sleep, she's just not in a good mood, right? And, and she gets mad at me, and, you, and justifiably so, because whatever it was, I did something wrong, and I understand that. But there, listen, when I'm tired, right, that's when Satan's coming at me because I'm weak. Right? Um, the strongest of believers are still human. Here's the second thing. Strong people still have blind spots. We have blind spots. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, it's a beautiful passage. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me, and know my anxious thoughts. He says this, point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the, the, the everlasting path. He, he says in Psalm 51, the great psalm of repentance, he, he uses this phrase, Cleanse me from secret faults. You know what he was saying to God? The stuff that I can't remember that I did wrong, please forgive me for. Right? Because I'm weak in so many different areas. And here's when we're really, really vulnerable. Not just when we're tired or when things are going wrong or when we're fighting with people that we love. You know when we're very vulnerable? When we think we're above it. Oh, I'm not. That's not going to happen to me. I'm way stronger than that. I'm, but no, that's, you can't, Satan, you can't touch this. That ain't going to happen to me. And when we get that arrogance inside of us that says, I'm stronger than you are, Satan, because here's what God wants us to understand. He wants us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. God wants you and me to totally depend on him. Because when you think you can do it by yourself, Satan's going to laugh at you. Because you, and that's, here's the thing, that doesn't mean you're weak. That means you're dependent on God, and that's, that's the strongest you will ever be. When you humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, I need you now. That's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength. That's understanding you can't do it by yourself, and you can only do it with the strength of God. The, the strong still have blind spots. Here's another good one. The strong deal with spiritual weaknesses. Flesh-driven, right? Samson said, I'm going to go to my wife's room right now. I'm getting a goat. I'm going to go be with my wife. She married me, even though I'm mad at her, even though this, I'm st I, I still have things that I want to do. And, and he was wrong for that. Here, here's another one. The strong, oh, this is hard. The strong have to confront their pride. Man, pride is rough. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride precedes destruction and haughtiness before you fall. Before you fall. If you think you're better than it, you're not. 
If you think you're better than other people, you certainly aren't. But when you understand that you're not, that's when God's strength can really shine through in your life in a beautiful way. Here's the second thing. We, we understand this morning that there are reasons that we're repeat offenders. And here's the thing all of us are. All, all, I, I don't know if anybody in this room discovered a new sin this week. You know, oh, guess what I tried, right? I don't, I don't think that happened. Because sin all goes back to one very, 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 very organic um, singular area, and that's selfishness, isn't it? We, we want to do things that make us feel better or raise our stock or make us look better. It all, it all has to do with our pride, right? And, and the, the core of all of our sin is selfishness. So, so if, if we really understand that, uh, we need to look at remedies for repeat offenders. And here, here's the first one. Find a trusted friend, a spiritually minded friend that will really help you. Listen to this verse. This is really powerful in Proverbs 27, 6. Then we'll skip down to 17. Wounds, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses of an enemy. Did you ever have somebody speak into your life and their motive was right? And they were right, but it still kind of ticked you off a little bit, you know? Uh, my friend Anthony just spoke here a couple, year, a couple weeks ago, did a great, great job with our marriage conference, which is just awesome. It was really refreshing for Kim and I to have uh, him and Christy down here. But I remember a few years ago, Anthony, and we're, we're, we're accountability partners. We pray together. We pray for one another. There's, there's been a couple times, and he's kind of funny. He kind of likes it because he's got a little bit of Napoleon syndrome. So he likes coming up to me, man, I'm going to tell you something right now that you did wrong, and you better get this thing right, or I'm going to kick your butt kind of a thing. I'm like, oh, it's okay, buddy. It's all right, you know. But he loves that. He got in my grill one time. He said, dude, you're not acting right about this situation, and you need to get this thing right. And I remember walking away going, who's he think he's going to kick him? I'm going to kick his, I'm going to flick him and knock him over. Like, I was really, really mad about it in my flesh. But then I started thinking later, wow, he cares enough me about me not to worry about my hurt feelings, but to care more about my future and care about my relationships and care about my call in my life that I have. And this beautiful verse in Proverbs 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron, so does a friend sharpen a friend. God's blessed me with some amazing friends. I love our church family. I have some dear, dear friends that are part of our church family that I meet with often, that encourage me, that, that prop me up, that pray for me, that stand with me, that challenge me sometimes when I don't want to be challenged. And listen, because we all need it. We need it. You need to find a trusted friend to help you. Somebody that cares more about your future than they do your feelings. Right, And it's not the thing where you walk up to them and go, you're an idiot, you stupid dummy, you shouldn't be doing that. Huh? No, it's not like that. When it talks about a friend uh, wounding a, a, a friend, the wound from a sincere friend, here's what it means. I'm going to walk through this with you. This could be a little bit of a painful time, but I'm not going to turn my back on you. And we're going to get this thing figured out, and we're going to get it worked out, and we're going to pray through it, and we're together going to celebrate what God's going to do in your life because of it. That's a wound, right? I did a series a couple years ago called Beautiful Scars. 
And when we're going to have, when we go to heaven, we're going to see some beautiful scars on the hands and on the feet, on the side of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you also have some scars in your life. I've got some scars from when I cut my hand working at my dad's store. I've got some scars. I, I ran out of gas on my motorcycle a couple years ago, and it didn't have, it was, a, it was a junkie, junkie, 750, Kawasaki, whatever, whatever. And I ran out of gas at the bottom of the hill. So I had to push this heavy, like 800-pound motorcycle up a hill. So I had to push, and I had to lean into it, and my and I was wearing shorts and flip-flops on a motorcycle. Stupid boy. I've got a big burn mark on my front of my leg right here, and it's the reason I don't wear shorts today. It's just the reason I don't show my legs anymore. It's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's so bad it doesn't matter anyway. But um, we have scars in our lives, but some of those scars can be beautiful. It takes you to a time where you gave your heart and submitted yourself to our Lord Jesus Christ. Find a trusted friend to help you. This is really a key part of this whole thing right here. Give up your personal rationalizations. I'll be direct about it too. Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 2. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ because he forgave you of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers in the world. Man, that's like, man, this is awesome. God kicked some major spiritual booty for me so that I can have a relationship with him, right? And this is what he says next. This is great. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Why do you keep doing all the stupid stuff? God's got this all covered. He forgave you. He provided a way. He gave you Jesus. And you keep going back to this place that's wrong. And here's a really great Philly way to say this. We need to, we need to give up our lame excuses for failure. We make lame excuses. But God... It's not fair. This person said that to me. This person didn't treat me fa uh, fairly. This person was this. This person was that. They should be a better this in my life. This should have been different. These other people have it so much better. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 6. You talk about a slam dunk on giving up lame excuses for your failures. The Bible, Paul says this in Romans 6. Well then, love that, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God could show us more and more his wonderful grace? He said, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that you have been joined together with Jesus Christ? You know what he says? Stop making silly excuses and stop rationalizing your bad behavior because of all the circumstances in your life. You know what this is really an indictment against modern day psychology? Because you're not just a sum total of everything that happened in your past. No, those things impact you. I'm not taking away from the value of that. But here's the truth. Those things impact you, but they don't have to determine your future. And we can't make excuses. I've had some tough stuff. How many of you had tough stuff happen in your past? Raise your hand up in the air. I have. I've got some weird stuff in my family history. Weird, weird, awful stuff. And I've had to, I've had to get some counseling. Counseling. Psychiatric, it's necessary. L listen, people can be sick in their brain and they need help. They really do. But I can't go back to my mom or dad or my crazy aunt or this one or this one or this one and say, well, you know, 
my aunt was my, my, my aunt, she molested me for like three years, and it's the truth. I'm not making light of that. She molested me for three years. So because of that, that's why I have such an unhealthy sexual appetite. No, sir. No. I'm accountable for what I do. I'm accountable for my actions. I'm accountable to make things right with God. I'm accountable to stop making stinking excuses. But we're good at that, man. Aren't we good at that? I talk to people all the time. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, 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 no. And I go back to that story I told you in the beginning of the message. Why did Judas? Why did this one? Not, and I, some, sometimes I hear people say that to me. And, and there's times when people talk to me, I start to get, I get a little mad about it. I'm like, come on, dude. And then I start thinking, you're worse than they are. Stop being judgy, right? Because we have to make sure, we have to make sure that we're not making excuses for the things we do wrong. Here's the next one. We'll come back to that in just a second because it's such a, such a wonderful topic. Line up your values with the word of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own strength or your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you the path to take. And here's something beautiful, uh, a great way, a, a remedy if we're a repeat offender. Trust in the guidance and the power of part of the Trinity of God called the Holy Spirit that we shouldn't be afraid of. Sometimes people with Baptist backgrounds get all freaked out when you talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, oh, what are you going to like start talk, talking a different language or something? Or, you know, bring some snakes up on the stage or do a healing thing? I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God is part of God's trinity. Triunity is really a better word for it. We need the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. God had a relationship with man on the earth all throughout the Old Testament until the time of Jesus, God the Father. And then Jesus Christ came to this earth for 33 years, and God's presence was manifested here on this earth through God's son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1 elevates up into heaven. He said, I'm going to come back the way that I came. I'm going to come back, take the church home. We're going to talk about that soon. Uh, beautiful, beautiful thing that Jesus is going to do. But then he says this, you're going to receive power. And after that, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Why did he leave his Holy Spirit here? To empower us to do what he's called us to do. But here's something else he did with the Holy Spirit. To reveal to us when we do stuff wrong. Right? And, and it's not that he's trying to make you feel bad all the time. God's Holy Spirit isn't going, man, you suck. You're awful. You're not a good Christian. You shouldn't even go to that church. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what the Holy Spirit does. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. Make it right because God wants to bless you, bro. He's got things far greater than you could ever dream or imagine. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to God's power that works inside of us. Submit to God. Listen to his Holy Spirit. He will strengthen you. He will give you the strength that you don't have to overcome the things that you are having a hard time overcoming. God's Holy Spirit, the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God started living inside of you in the form of his Holy Spirit. You became the temple of God, just like the temple in the Old Testament. And you have power, Holy Spirit power to overcome your addictions. Holy Spirit power to overcome your temptations. Holy Spirit power to overcome your mother-in-law. Holy Spirit power to overcome a difficult person at work. That lives inside of you. Don't discount what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, church. Romans 8 says, so now there is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, if you belong to Jesus, say, I belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you for the power of sin that leads to death. So in verse number 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. 
Did you hear what it said? Letting your sinful nature control what you're doing will lead to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse number 12. Therefore, like in conclusion of all these things that I just told you, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. But I want to do it all the time. But you don't need to because God gave you something stronger to overcome that, his Holy Spirit. For if you live by, it, by the way that it dictates to you, you're going to die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. God's given you all that you need. Tap into it. Ask him to guide you. Ask him to sustain you. Ask him to help you understand. My buddy sent me a verse. I don't understand this verse. What's it mean? It means this. It meant this. You're not going to understand Scripture at all without the illumination of the understanding that the Holy Spirit's going to give you. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't be afraid of him. He loves you. James 4, 5, and 6. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? Isn't that funny? It's like, it's like don't, you, don't you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? James is saying do you think these things are like fables and don't mean anything? They say that God is passionate, but that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he graciously, he gives us grace generously. And the scripture says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want to pray with you. And I want you to think about this, about getting victory over your repeat offenses. I'm going to give you four I'm going to read these four things to you. I'm going to read four sentences to you, not preach four more points, okay? <laughs> Somebody's going, oh my gosh, we're going to be late for chilies. <laughs> the, the one of the things you have to understand just before we read this is that you need help. Say that with me, I need help. Uh, you're not, and, and th that doesn't make you a weakling. That puts you in a very great place if you're submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit of God. So if you want victory over repeat offenses, number one, sign up with a godly friend. I need your help. Will you walk through this with me? Number two, give up your stinking lame excuses. Stop blaming everybody else for what your problems are. Own it, grow up, give it to God, ask for forgiveness, and be the man or the woman that God's called you to be. Somebody say amen. Number three, line up with the values of the word of God. Listen, you can't line up with these values if you're not familiar with them. You're not going to be familiar with them if you don't read this book. If you don't read this book and your source of Christianity is all coming out of from my mouth to your ears on Sunday morning, you will be an anemic Christian. You're saying, Pastor, are you, are you not a good preacher? I don't, I'm not going to say I'm good or bad. I hope I'm okay. But here's what I want. You're not going to grow past where you are now if you're just getting what you're getting from me. You need it every day. You need to be in your word and praying and talking to God and asking him for forgiveness and asking him to work in your life. Line up with the word of God. And then I love this last one. Power up with the Holy Spirit. I've got the power. Mm, 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 mm. You tap into that power. Whew. God's going to use you to make a difference in this world for his son Jesus. That's what he wants to do. Ask him to give you the strength to do that this week. Ask him to give you the strength to overcome some of the things you're struggling with. And then ask him to give you the strength to make a difference in this world for him. Amen? Today, Father, I just want to thank you for your word. 
Thank you for who you are in our lives. Thank you for hard things to talk about, Lord. Sometimes I don't like this stuff because I look in the mirror and I go, oh, this is me. But I'm so thankful for friends that pour into me, for friends that have had uncomfortable conversations with me, for your Holy Spirit that's tapped me on the back or in my heart or in my brain and said, nope, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't think that. You can't go near that. You've got to get up and walk away because there's a lot at stake right now. I thank you for that Holy Spirit. Help me and every man and woman in this room, every student in this room, obey your Holy Spirit when you guide us away from just awful, awful things. And I thank you for it. You've given us everything, everything that we could possibly need to have a successful, fruitful Christian life. We've got to line up with you. We've got to know your word. And, and we, Lord, starting with this guy right here, we've got to get better at at this, stop making excuses, stop going back to that same familiar place of sin over and over again, and live a victorious Christian life. How many of you would say this morning with nobody else looking around, hey Ed, I'm one of those repeat offenders, I need the Holy Spirit to forgive me, to strengthen me, and to guide me, I get it, I understand what you're talking about, God's speaking my heart about this today, if that's true about you, lift your hand up with me. Just so you know, my hand's up too. So, Father, strengthen me, strengthen every man and woman. Help us to obey you this week. Help us, Lord, not only to obey you when it comes to our stuff with our personal walk and relationship with you, because we want to grow, we want to know you more, we want to experience the fullness of your presence in our lives. But, God, help us to obey you when you put an appointment in front of us to tell somebody about Jesus or to invite them to church or to be faithful in an area you've called us to be faithful in. Lord, Lord, help us, Father, to make a difference in somebody's life this week. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody say it with me. Amen. So connect-